Bosch is the world's largest automotive supplier and is viewed as a traditional company. But with so much change happening in the auto industry, they must adapt. On this week's show, we are joined by Mike Mansweti, the president of Bosch North America, to discuss the evolution. And now, here's your host, John McElroy. I want to thank you all for joining us on AutoLine this week. Today, we're going to dive into the evolution of what's going on in the supplier industry. Bosch is the world's largest automotive supplier, and our special guest today is Mike Mansweti. He's the president of Bosch North America. Mike, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Also joining us today are my friend and colleague, Gary Vasilash, the founding editor of Automotive Design and Production magazine, and Ben Clayman from Reuters. And good to have both of you on board here. Thanks, Ben. Glad to be here. Uh, Mike, we're seeing so much change in the industry right now. Clearly, suppliers have got to change, too. Bosch has always been viewed, I think rightfully so, as an old company. I mean, the company's yeah. been around forever, well over exactly. 100 years, and a very traditional company, very set in its ways. I'm sure that's not going to work anymore. No. You've got to make it more adaptive and more flexible. And there's two terms that I find interesting that Bosch is using, an innovation framework mm-hmm. and the connectory. <laughs> Please explain what those are about and how you're using them to change the company. Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, innovation is, is very important to us. That goes back to our roots of our founder. And yes, we're over 130 years old. So with a foot firmly planted in the, in the present, we need to look also towards the future. So in innovation, we have really no shortage of ideas. But the, the concept of taking those ideas, you know, through this adaptive space, as you saw, uh, really is what the innovation framework is all about. So this kind of VC, we modeled it after kind of a VC model. So we have an angel funding round. We have an ideation round. Associates bring their ideas. Uh, We go through this. We pair them down. They actually pitch for angel funding. And then they come back later after they go through an intensive process around business modeling and really developing their idea, making sure that the problem that they're trying to solve is really worth solving. then they come back for a VC pitch to the divisions. And those uh, ideas that they like, uh, the divisions will invest in, and then we turn those into investable opportunities. So far, we're in our sixth round of the innovation framework. So we're so advanced now, we're doing two rounds each year. Uh, and we've had quite a success. Over 60% of the, the projects that come through the innovation framework are off-ramped into one of the divisions. Can you give us any example uh, in automotive of what's been going through? Yeah, an example in automotive was an idea around a virtual visor. Uh, So we've been developing that, uh, the idea around mirrors. So replacing using, uh, you know, uh, displays to replace the mirrors and uh, other things like that on the, a lot of things around sensors. We have a lot of product ideas. We're pushing for more business model ideas in the innovation framework. And that's what we call our inside out approach. So we're not trying to reinvent the next new injector but we're trying to look at those ideas that cross maybe divisions or fall in between the white spaces, if you will, to help develop and foster those ideas and also develop our associates. And the other thing, you mentioned the connectory. That's connectory and factory. So, I mean, we're deep-rooted in the, in the factory side of the business on the product side. And then this new connect, connected connectivity and IoT, we brought those together. And in Chicago, this is this physical workspace that we're inviting external folks to come and join us to work on some of these projects. Mm-hmm. Mike, you mentioned injectors. So Bosch is widely known for injectors. Bosch is widely known for analog brakes. Mm-hmm. And yet you're talking about VC funding <laughs> and things like this. I mean, so what is the driver 
for the company to transform itself so radically? Well, I think we see the need that we have to transform. And like you said, we've been very innovative on the product side. And now in this age of connectivity, automation, electrification, I mean, we have to continue to change and we have to adapt. And these are measures that we're using to adapt the, the workforce, if you will. So, um, you know, if we don't adapt, you know, then this question of disruption will come. So it's a logical point in our journey now to go through this transformation. And if you think about it, we're really set up to do that because we have a long history of sensors, for example. I mean, we were the first to market with a lot of the MIM sensors. We produce over 4 million MIM sensors a day. Uh, we're almost in every smart device now, and we've been in automotive for, for many years. So to take our strong foundation of sensors now with the software that's coming on and then in the services, this is a natural progression for us. So, Mike, when you talk about innovation, what are we, what are we talking about in terms of uh, speed, you know, development time for, for these new products? Is this speeding up the whole process is speeding up or? Yeah, the, that's what we try to drive in the innovation framework. So, I mean, typically, you know, we can be thought of maybe some people thought of it as a technology push organization in the past where we had a great idea. And, you know, that helped us along in the past. But now we need to be very innovative and much more fast. And also we want to we fail fast. So this idea around learning and creating a learning organization, that's a big part of the innovation framework. So the engineers, you know, what used to come up with is I need two years and $2 million. You know, we say you have six weeks and 5,000. What can you do from that? <laughs> Fail fast is not a term I would have associated with a traditional automotive supplier. That comes right out of Silicon Valley, and it's okay it if you fail there. Right. How do you guys uh, tolerate failure within Bosch? Well, that's one of the things on our North American success factors. So we've, we've got basically three, delighting the customer, a high-performance culture, and this idea around innovation. And innovation is really helping the organization learn how learn from failure. Repeated mistakes aren't tolerated, right? But we need to be able to learn from these mistakes, and we need to create a safe environment where we can fail fast and what we like to say, fail off-Broadway. I'm curious about the, you know, with, with all that you're doing, the sort of the idea of war for talent. You know, w the industry is becoming more uh, software-oriented, and I'm, I was hoping you could just talk about how easy or hard it is to get those people. I mean, you, now you're competing not even against just the auto industry, but against, you know, Silicon everywhere. Valley everywhere. And some would say it would be kind of tough for the auto industry to attract these people. Yeah. Over the next five years, we need to hire 25,000 of these type of people. And it's becoming increasingly difficult. Uh, so we're partnering with major universities. Uh, and I think what we're doing in Bosch and also some of these things, like we're creating a purpose. So also we've revamped our employee value proposition. So we're trying to help people understand the skills that they can bring and then what they can do and how they can translate their skills into products and services at Bosch. And this has proven to be successful, but make no doubt about it, it is difficult to find and attract these people. I mean, but are you like having to say like, you know, okay, we'll base you in San Francisco because this person doesn't want to come to Detroit, or you have to pay a lot more than you might have paid in the past for this type of person. I mean, we've been in Silicon Valley since 1999. So we have a, we have a reputation out there in Silicon Valley, and actually our Bosch Center for Artificial Intelligence, uh, one of the locations, in addition to Renningen in Stuttgart and also in Bangalore in India, uh, is the three-legged stool, if you will, of our Bosch Center for Artificial Intelligence. So we have some very demanding work uh, and some very interesting projects for those folks in Silicon Valley. 
And we're also, you know, working on automation, you know, here in Plymouth and electrification. And even in our plants, you know, we're looking for people with that data analytic, artificial intelligence skills as well. So it's really permeating, permeating the company. And uh, we need these types of skills in almost every function. Mike, I got to ask, why does an automotive supplier need a center for, auto, for artificial intelligence? <laughs> you know, our goal is to make where we can all the products connected. And actually, if we look over the next five years, we want to be able to say that all of those have a portion or be able to uh, be enabled by artificial intelligence or had a piece of the design or the manufacture process with an artificial intelligence uh, product. So you're helping develop the smart car. Truly smart car. Truly smart car. <laughs> yeah, and connectivity, I think that's, that's where it's headed, and it's, it's an exciting time. Hey, I want to go back to this uh, innovation framework. You know, you talk about going uh, through a VC, venture capitalist kind of process, mm -hmm. and it seems to me what you said is you got all kinds of ideas, but you're really looking for ideas that have a business case around them. In the beginning, we had a lot of ideas, and when you, let, when you open up the filter, if you will, and you let people really ideate on what they're passionate about, all kinds of things come out the other end. Um, and in the, in the beginning, just for the learning piece of it, we let some of those ideas, let's say, nurture and mature through the framework. Uh, we actually had one early stage idea about um, evacuating a non-ambulatory person out of, a, of, out of a house or something. And th this person came from our industrial technology group. He originally saw a great fit for some of the products that he was working with, but at the end of the day, it just didn't fit our business. So we, you know, that's a portion too. Maybe if we can license a product or we're partnering now with the university on this idea to take it further. So we're trying to get those ideas that really have an adjacent, some adjacency to our business. Uh, a group of engineers here in Detroit that were calibration engineers were really passionate about kitchen fires, came up with an idea to use our sensors to help uh, you know, suppress a fire even before it starts. And that was something they were able to successfully off-ramp off to our appliance division. So you never know where ideas are gonna come from. No, that's true, but how do you also make sure that you're not wasting your investment? And, and the reason I ask is Alex Partners, uh, you know, the, the consulting company came out with a study that said billions of dollars are <laughs> going to be wasted in this race to mobility and yeah. autonomous vehicles. In fact, you know, we just saw recently Ford Motor Company, which had been running a shuttle service, uh, a mobility shuttle service called Chariot, just gave it the axe. They right. chopped it off. So how do you f fast forward all these ideas and make sure that there's a payoff for them at the end? Yeah, over the last five years, we've learned a lot. And now we're trying to, to scale this pro project more globally, because if you can imagine all the regions around Bosch are fundamentally trying to do the same thing. So... We've set up a structure for this ideation, implementation, and experimentation, and then we're very careful when we make our bets on scaling. So that, that's where we get a lot more people involved, a lot more of the business units involved, and really ensure that the idea that we want to scale, uh, we have the ability to scale, and we also have a business a model that makes sense. But are we still at some type of Wild West stage where, you know, John referred to Chariot, you had, you know, GM invested in Lyft and two months later invested in Cruise and Lyft, while they're probably going to make a lot of money from that stake, strategically, they haven't been really doing anything with that. So it's like people are, seems like they're almost like they were throwing things against the wall yeah. as they figured things out. Where do you think we are in this process? Yeah, I mean... I I, I think there's still a lot of a, a lot of room here to to experiment, and I think a lot of a lot of the ideas 
for us, you see, this is in the innovation framework we talk about, talk about is kind of an internal process. Then we have also the business units that are making some bets and looking also for, let's say, mergers and acquisitions, these types of things you talked about. And then we also have a separate VC group, so Robert Botch Venture Capital, that is looking at specifically technology, investing in technology and taking a minority stake to develop some of these technologies. Um, so it, it really depends. I mean, if we look at, uh, you know, one example that we thought was very interesting and then made an investment was, was in Split, uh, the ride-sharing or the, actually the carpooling. Um, you know, we think that that technology and eventually in ride-sharing uh, will pay some big dividends. But, you know, of course, all these are yet to be seen. So the issue for us also is being able to integrate those folks into the company. I was fascinated when Bosch bought Split because, as you said, it's a, it's a shuttle service, B2B. B2B. And this is the first time, I think, that a supplier may be in competition with the car companies because they want to get into all these mobility services as yeah. well. Do you see that happening? Well, we really don't want to be in competition with them. I mean, we're not going to build a car. But, I mean, on some of these services, I think we are going to cross paths, and we're going to have to figure out how that, how that works and, and who's best able to deliver the, the service that ultimately the consumer wants. Or in this case, I mean, it's a great, it's a great uh, business partnership, a business-to-business -business opportunity. We came upon Split because we actually test drove them in Mexico. So uh, we were using their services and liked it so much we, we bought the company, let's say. <laughs> Spe speaking of working with your customers, so later this year, you're working with Daimler in San Jose mm -hmm. to test out a, a ride-sharing uh, uh, level four autonomous right. um, setup. How does something like that come about? Well, we've been working independently, you know, on our level one to level three, you know, providing not only the products, but also systems for uh, automation. And in this case, I, I think when we go to level four and five, really no one can do it alone. So you need those, you need those partnerships. And in Daimler, we found a good partnership where we can work on these types of things. We're getting ready to roll out the service in San Jose. Uh, this started in 17, and uh, we'll see where it takes us. But uh, again, this is just the testimony of how important it important partnerships are in this quest for the level four and level five automation. How, how do we look at, I mean, just this past week, we saw Daimler and uh, BMW uh, saying they're going to get together on uh, autonomous vehicles. So how does your relationship with Daimler jibe with that relationship? Well, our relationship in, in with Daimler in this case is, is really limited around this level four, level five automation piece. Um, I think you're starting to see now that the consumer and many of the automakers are focused on now level two, level three, so there's driver assistance programs. Uh, I think there's a lot of, let's say, business to be made there because we see the consumer acceptance and the consumer desire for these things. They are in improving safety uh, and helping the drivers. And in fact, for us, that's a big business for us even looking at, at this year. So the, those level two and three systems are really driving a lot of our business growth in the automotive sector. So one doesn't necessarily grow into the other in terms of they can be they can operate. Yeah, in this in 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 this case, I mean, I think with level 4 and level 5, the amount of investment in the capital outlay is such a intense that really you need these partnerships. Like I said, no one can really go it alone. And on some of these lower level automation systems, uh, you know, each OEM is also individual in what they would like to do. Some you know, only want some sensors, others want some, you know, integration. Other folks like Maserati, we developed a complete level two system for them. You know, we mentioned fuel injectors, which 
Internal combustion engine. <laughs> I, I was responsible for fuel injectors before I came to Detroit, so in Germany. So, so, but, but Bosch is, is going into electrification in a big way. Mm-hmm. And uh, where's, that, where's that going to be leading? I mean, do, do you see electric motors um, supplanting X number or X percentage of internal combustion engines in the next five years, ten yeah, years? I mean, Electrification, we believe in electrification, and also we believe in, in helping our customers with the, solve their pain points in terms of providing a solution to them. So this is electrification is just a logical extension of what we do on the ICE. So we're providing those technologies and the solutions to help them develop the powertrain of the future. Uh, we have invested heavily into electrification. Um, it's driving a lot of business for us today and tomorrow. Um, things such as the e-axle and battery management systems and power electronics. Uh, we made the tough decision not to go into batteries, but all other parts of electrification um, we're placing our, our bets on now. And in fact, I think in the future, you know, we like to say that there's really no car without a little bit of Bosch inside. And we want to say you know, in the future that there's no electric car without a little bit of Bosch inside. Building on what Gary just rose, uh, raised, we're seeing a lot of suppliers split in two mm-hmm. and essentially taking their old technology and putting it in one company, the new technology another. Uh, we've seen, what, Delphi, Aptiv, uh, even Continental has talked about restructuring. Right. What are your thoughts at Bosch? We actually did just the opposite. We brought our gas and diesel guys together and formed what we call powertrain systems. So powertrain systems is now the new in the Bosch vernacular GS and DS and also the electrification is, is in there. So again, we're adapting to how our customers work. You know, our customers, they, they, they purchase things in the powertrain department. You know, it's, whether it's gas, diesel, or electrification, or even fuel cell for that matter, we have combined all these efforts into one. Uh, this is, a, as you can imagine, a huge division inside of Bosch, the biggest division with over 80,000 people worldwide. So when others are splitting, we brought us all together. Why? why? Why do you think others are splitting and why did you guys consolidate? I mean, that's a very important part of our business. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's the majority of our automotive, our mobility business. And again, serving the customer's needs there for a powertrain. So regardless of what powertrain they choose, we want to be there for them with the option that we can provide solutions to them. So it just made sense for us. Mm-hmm. But you're spending more in some areas than you are in others, or certainly electrification. We 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 invest almost 400 million euro a year in electrification, and have done, and will continue to do so in electrification. Uh, and then, you know, with the craze of SUVs and and light trucks now, a lot of that has been enabled by the fuel consumption and the fuel savings uh, in the ICE engine, and we continue to help our customers drive those fuel economy and emission savings. You mentioned fuel cells. Is, is this um, part of your portfolio as well? Yeah, fuel cells is, is another interesting part of the portfolio. We've been working on it in the past, and we're giving more attention to it because we think uh, fuel cells will be an option not only for passenger cars or light truck, but maybe even commercial vehicles as well. You're investing so heavily in electrification, but you're the president of Bosch North America. Electric car sales are going nowhere here, <laughs> with the exception of Tesla. Tesla's uh, done quite well. The yeah. rest of them, not so much. Yeah. Are you worried about this? I mean, Europe is probably going to go through CO2 legislation. China is almost de facto mandating electric cars. Here in North America, I, I just wonder what kind of market you see coming up. 
Yeah, we're investing in electrification really for the global picture. So, but here in North America, I would agree with you. You know, we just surpassed one percent, right? So the question is, will that? How far will that go? Uh, I think as more as the range doesn't become an issue anymore, and more models come on the market, and people are more accepting of electric vehicles, uh, I think the market will continue to grow. But also, we see interesting opportunities in the shared economy in the shared mobility space. And also, if we talk about last mile or goods delivery, this could be some interesting spaces for electrification as well. Well, I would think that would almost be more for autonomy. And uh, what's your crystal ball on the adoption rate of autonomous vehicles? Uh, You know, we believe in a step-by-step adoption rate. I mean, I think there are a lot of people that still love to drive, and that will always be the case. But there's really nobody that loves to park if you think about it, right? So, I mean, uh, low-speed parking maneuvers help get people, uh, let's say, more confident with self-driving and, and, and this awareness. So there's a lot of things that would need to happen to help enable the automation piece. Awareness is one of them. There's a lot of regulatory and legislative issues as well. But we're helping and we're trying to educate the public uh, on the benefits of autonomy. And we're starting to see that with some of the driver assistance with the safety increases. Um, So I think little by little, people will, um, let's say, make the switch over to autonomy. Will everybody, you know, there'll be all level five, you know, all weather everywhere out there anytime soon? Probably not. But I think there's a lot of good use cases and a lot of good business models that are being developed around autonomy. How are you trying to educate the public at a time when we see stories about, like, out in Arizona, people, you know, slashing tires or throwing stuff at uh, some of the autonomous, the self-driving vehicles, you know, what are you guys doing? Are you part of some type of broader group that's doing something? Yeah, I mean, we have, we have put together some things together with our chassis group to help on the education piece for the consumers and also the industry, industry side of it. It's, it's really not any different than the approach we took back in the ABS days when, uh, you know, ABS was just a fad and nobody, you know, everyone felt that they could outbreak the car better themselves than any ABS system could do. So that similar type of approach that we took with ABS, uh, we're taking with um, autonomy. And one of the things we started is in parking, for example. So we have now our autonomous valet parking, automated valet parking uh, live in Stuttgart at the Daimler Museum uh, in the parking garage there. So people can go experience it, uh, learn about it. And, uh, and see the benefits, actually, not only for the consumer, but even the parking garage uh, operator. You know, you, you mentioned parking. Um, one of the things that Bosch is doing is, is mapping parking spaces in cities mm-hmm. so people can find a parking space without driving around looking for one. So to what extent does Bosch look at the vehicle as as part of a broader infrastructure in terms of, you know, how you guys can, can work with cities and municipalities and in, in connecting the vehicle to yeah. the, the city itself? Certainly. I think with the technology in, in the car today, I mean, almost we could replace car with rolling sensor platform, you know. Uh, so this is one of the things we saw with, with the, our ability to have this information, as you talked about, community-based parking is what you talked about. So as the vehicle drives through especially densely populated areas, it recognizes parking spaces or recognizes spaces. Then it can determine which of those are parking spaces, which of those might be in front of a fire hydrant or which might be no parking, and then give that information uh, to the actual user to help assist them in finding a parking space. So I think this connection, the car with the infrastructure and the car with the community, I think 
more and more that will play a role in actually not only adopting the technology, but creating these, these use cases and ultimately the business models that will pay off in the end. So a classic supplier is, is working in spaces you would have never imagined. Oh, exactly. And this is why we need those data analytics guys and the software guys and the artificial intelligence guys. Uh, so we, we, we really need that type of talent when we look at, you know, much, much more than just a product supplier. I mean, if you think about Bosch's history, I mean, we were, you know, the first to market with a lot of these innovations, which has now enabled this automation and connectivity, if you will. So the natural progression is into the ecosystem. You know, attracting that talent, I'm sorry, going back to the talent, are you having any issues attracting that talent? I mean, or are you getting everyone that you want? No, I mean, we still, I would say, I would lie if we said we're not struggling. So we still, we're finding the talent and we're bringing those people on board. Uh, is it at the pace that we would like or at the volume we would like? No, not yet. But uh, again, I think with some of the opportunities that we have at Bosch, I mean, if you think about it for uh, a, a young person in this field, I mean, they could work in the mobility sector. They could work even on the appliance side as we connect them or, you know, are the industrial in manufacturing. So we're looking for these types of people all across our organization. And the nice thing about Bosch, and that's what what our interns love is that they can move, you know, from session to session to different parts of the business and see whole different different worlds inside of one company. So I think that is a very uh, is a very high level of attraction for us. And again, uh, talking about the sense of purpose that we have, right? I mean, around saving lives and you know reducing CO two and saving the environment. Uh, these are the kinds of things that people can really get behind, and uh, hopefully like to come help us in the solutions. We're down to the very end here. I need a quick answer on this. Are you working with many of the startups, the, the electric car startups, a la Tesla, Faraday, NEO, Byton, SF Motors, and the like? Yeah, thanks for that. It, actually, we just created a new group out in Silicon Valley. What we call, we, we put all these players into progressive mobility players, or PMPs. We love acronyms. Um, <laughs> so we have a group now in Silicon Valley that are helping us to, we have a lot of business with them, and we'd like to get a lot more future business. Uh, so we put that group in place and uh, looking to do more great things. Learn from them and help translate that learning back into the organization about how we need to react and how we need to adapt to working with these customers and also understanding their needs and their pain points and how we can help bring them further. Real good. With that, we're going to have to wrap it up. Mike Mansweti, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you very really much. Great to talk with Gary you. Gary Vasilash, Ben Clayman, thanks you guys too. Thank you.